Hi, everyone. I'm JJ Hornblast, and welcome to FinTech Unfiltered from Bank Innovation, the leading digital news service on banking and FinTech. This is our weekly wrap on what's happening in banking innovation for July 27, 2020. Before beginning, I want to thank Bank Innovation's advertisers, Mambu, LQD Finance, and Infogroup for their support. So thank you very much to them. I am joined today by Rick Morgan and Bianca Chan from Bank Innovation and uh, Patrick Candianis, Ken uh, sorry, Patrick, uh, from um, Quattro Money, uh, a, uh, not just a, a really interesting startup, but also a member of the current Fintech Accelerator class. So welcome, Patrick, good to have you. Um, it is Friday, July 31st, 2020. I wanted to just start with you, Patrick, and just uh, uh, get a little bit of a rundown on uh, you know just what, what Quattro Money is and what you guys are up to. Yeah, thanks, JJ. Um, so we've, uh, we've got a platform that helps uh, families plan better for college, uh, specifically the financing components. Um, you know, it's a, it's a huge top of mind worry for families. You know, almost 75% of families are, uh, are, that's their biggest money concern. And that's a consistent uh, ranking in Gallup polls. And, uh, and yet there's very little, there's very little out there. It, you know, there's a lot of generic stuff out there, but there's not a lot where you can really, you know, get a view into an individual family, student and parents, uh, and their ability to pay. Uh, also, you know, looking at college costs in total, not looking at it year by year. Um, so there's, you know, there's kind of a broken system there. Uh, certainly one of the causes of, you know, too much student loan debt, bad student debt. Um, and in this sort of pandemic environment, uh, the, the sort of fear factor is amplified. You know, you have economic troubles, you have uh, college kind of in turmoil, and um, and folks, you know, increasingly are are looking to plan. They're looking to determine value. Uh, is this a valuable purchase? And and because this is such an expensive purchase, uh, certainly the largest purchase a young adult makes uh, in their lives. Um, you know, we're we're talking about sticker prices on schools getting it into the eighty thousand dollar range. Um, obviously, not everybody pays that. Um, but if, and unless you're someone who can just write a check, unless you're in the, you know, the really wealthy bucket, uh, this is going to be a concern. Uh, you're going to worry about, you know, do I have enough saved? You know, do I have enough income? Um, and I, I'm, a, you know, what am I going to, what am I going to do with my finances on this? And that's just for one kid. If you add in a second kid and a third kid, well, you know, you're, you're talking about a lot of money moving around. So, so yeah, so we're focused on making those uh, decisions more insightful and personalized. Uh, and we're looking to partner with banks uh, to provide this. Uh, when you do a survey of, of all the banking and uh, credit union associations out there, uh, just a very, very thin cover. And uh, unless they're a specialty student lender, uh, and even there, you know, it's not a sort of a total look at it. It's a, it's a moment in time. So, so we're, we're excited to be part of the, the, uh, the cohort and uh, we're excited to meet some of the partners and it's been great. You know, we're, we're, getting, uh, we're getting some good traction on our, our B2B approach and uh, looking forward to more. So yeah. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Patrick. So talking about banks, 
Um, the uh, the lead story or the top story, I think, of the week was Varro Bank, a challenger bank, getting its bank charter after what seemed like a long period of time. Um, three years. Three years. Yeah. Barely a blink in fintech. <laughs> no, uh, it's a long time. So, uh, how you know what? What are the implications of the bank charter? Well, first of all, the bank, the background on the bank charter, Rick, is, sure. is uh, you know, where did they charter? Um, why did it take three years? And and what are the implications? Uh, well, it took a long time because they need to get clear all these like regulatory hurdles with the OCC, the FDIC. Uh, the Federal Reserve, they had to get a lot of people onto their board. They had to hire people that, that knew about this regulatory space. Um, and it was no, no small feat. It took them quite a bit of time. Uh, I believe they started in 2018 looking for a charter. Um, well, that, no, actually, they started in 2017. Colin Walsh said that when they launched, that was his goal right off the rip, that he wanted to be a bank. Uh, and he said that a lot of people kind of looked at him like he had three heads. Um, you know, they haven't, they haven't chartered banks in years. Like, why do you want to do this? And he's like, well, we want to be a real bank. We want to be able to offer a wider variety of products. We want to be able to offer credit cards. We want to be able to do a lot of things that your traditional challenger bank that uses a banking partner can't do. Um, so they spend a lot of time and a lot of money. I mean, I've read reports that it, and I can't confirm this number one way or the other, but I have read reports that it's taken, you know, upwards of like, hundreds of millions of dollars just to get this across the board and get this across the finish line. Um, they've had to hire people, like I said, and it's just been a very arduous process. And, uh, uh, they, they, they finally crossed it, but I don't know if, uh, if FinTechs out there looking at borrow are gonna say, that's something I wanna go through as well. It'll be interesting to see because it did take so much time, so much money and so much, uh, so much regulatory compliance and so much, uh, so much work. So Patrick, would you, I, I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't see like a, a bank charter sort of in, in your future per se, but you could, you could see, I mean, there's obviously value in, in a bank charter from a fintech standpoint, but when you hear about the Varro adventure, I mean, where does that put you? I mean, it's just the, the hurdles are, are certainly there. And, you know, I mean, and some would say they're there for a reason, right? Because the, the old guard can, you know, hide, hide behind it or, or, you know, be behind it and, and know that it's going to be a very, very huge dollar move. Um, I mean, you know, just my experience in the past with, with Simple Tuition, my old company, you know, we had compliance attorneys. We, um, we, have, we were licensed in X number of states. Just that exercise alone is, is heavy, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and so I you know I think it's I think it's interesting. I don't you know net net. I I'm I'm just curious. Does that does that take a per percentage of the population and make them feel better about using their service? As mm -hmm. a, you know, are are ten percent of folks not using a challenger bank because they're not a real bank? They're connected to a bank. You know what I mean? A challenger fintech. So. I don't, I don't know. I mean, they, they must believe that this, that access to, to have that product suite um, is going to, you know, really make a difference. And, right. uh, you know, but uh, I don't, I don't know that the end user perceives that. Um, so I, I don't know. I'd be interested. In I mean, the OCC made a big deal about this, yeah. right? I mean, they made a big deal that they were going to make FinTech charters available. Yeah. I, but I don't think that a three year is 
you know, is a great advertisement for for that that charter product from the OCC. I, I mean, you, you've yeah. yeah. Okay, so fine. So they've you know, Varro is has chartered, but I mean, it you know, like I, I can't for Quattro money. I mean, like if you were to say you know, let's go down that path so that we could you know facilitate more profound you know kind of financial services around college. You know, why would you do that? Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't think we would. I mean, we um, we looked we looked at some, back in the day at being a student lender, um, and and there is that sort of siren song that you know we can we could point to and say, well, you know, we really know this space. We really know uh, what people need. Um, yeah. I think we're, I think we're focused more on improving process rather than you know trying to be a real you know a, a lender. Um, there's being a lender, you, you come under so much scrutiny and you can see this in, in the, you know, whereas if you're a provider and, and, or, you know, on the, on the sidelines kind of, you know, making the consumer experience better, I think you've, I think you've got the ability to take advantage of the existing infrastructure mm -hmm. and, and improve. Um, I don't know so if they were set it on its ear uh, anytime soon. Yeah. So there was a uh, big, uh, two big funding rounds this week uh, for fintechs, uh, one for Remitly and one for TransferWise. These are more of the, uh, I don't know what you, what you call them, Bianca, the more, uh, the, you know, they're, they're, they're later stage uh, fintechs for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, how, how large were these rounds and, and what do they, uh, you know, portend for, for these two companies? Yeah. So TransferWise raised $319 million, which bumped the company's valuation to $5 billion. And Remitly, which is a Seattle-based uh, remittance company, raised $85 million, which propped the company's valuation up to $1.5 billion. And it's really interesting. I mean, we've kind of talked about it um, over the weeks, especially during our weekly wraps, but you're seeing a lot of action in the payment space, especially during the pandemic, it seems. It seems like it's just one of those segments of a fintech or the economy that's just getting a lot of action. I mean, earlier in the quarter, we saw Avid Exchange and Checkout.com also raise hundreds of millions of dollars. And that was right when the pandemic hit. Um, and I mean, on the bank side too, TD Bank just announced this week that it created a new role dedicated to commercial payments innovation. Uh, and Wells Fargo also said last week that they're working on an international payments gateway for their merchant customers um, to support international transactions. So I definitely think there's a spotlight on payments and I think the companies that have kind of um, set themselves up in that space are kind of riding this momentum. Yeah, well, I mean, the e-commerce numbers are insane. <laughs> I mean, just unbelievable. But I mean, Patrick, do you, like when you hear those kind of rounds getting done, well, first of all, I mean, does it surprise you that they got done or didn't get done? I mean, let, let's just talk about it from that level first. Yeah. I mean, well, you'd think that perhaps there's a flight to safety here with a lot of money and, um, and in a pandemic, you know, money's still moving. Right. And, and it's, and it's global and it's, you know, the growth of Amazon, even all, you know, all of, all of this uh, sort of flight in my mind, this money is going to proven models that are, you know, that have a, a, a chance to get out there and battle and grow, right? I mean, like Flywire in Boston obviously is a, is a, is a big flyer, uh, no pun intended. 
there's, you know, I, I think that that's what you're seeing, but it, it is an awful lot of money. Um, and valuation, right? Yeah, I mean, in terms of valuation. Yeah, I don't know what they're. I don't. I don't know what the end. You know, who buys them? Another big bank. I, I guess that's if if Wells is saying it's going to start. You know, in this business, there are probably others who are like, well, let's just buy one, right? So eventually, right. Uh, eventually, somebody gets picked up. But yeah, I I, I would say that yes, these these are um, known quantities, right? And if if they've, I mean, these are almost like PE. It's almost like PE kind of money. You know, it's crazy. Sure. And that's that's obviously you know a dollar in and a dollar fifty out or a dollar forty out. They right. want they want to have a, a pretty good return uh, in their in their heads. So, is there like a pandemic related dynamic to the uh, co uh, college education uh, financing? Meaning, like, do you expect? Have you gotten any? Um, outreach from kind of payments providers who want to be able to facilitate payment, you know, something along those lines. I mean, what, what, yeah. Yeah. You know, there, there are some specialty lenders, right. That, that go after the international student population. Uh, one of them is called Empower out of DC. They raised a bunch of money. Uh, I'm friends with those guys, but they're, um, I'm not sure if this helps or hurts them. Right. Because, you know, in the near term, there's no access, right? So your foreign student isn't coming here. Um, and, and that was their shtick. I'm, I'm hopeful that they're able to ride that out. Um, they're, the, the payments movement, you know, Flywire really is the king of the international uh, payment structure there um, in terms of remittance in, you know, home currency to US dollars to universities. And so um, certainly they're, they're gonna be hurt. You know, I mean, not, not that their business is small um, and they're also in healthcare. So I think that, you know, that, that payments component, um, it, you know, and then in, in the U.S. sort of domestic business, you've got Nelnet and a few others that are big companies moving a, a lot of uh, payment plan monies around. Uh, I, you know, honestly, there's, there's still a lot of jury out. I, you know, anecdotally, I was, I was, uh, playing golf this weekend in a tournament and there happened to be some younger kids who were college age kids and the, the four different kids that I met and then a few parents that were playing, uh, they, uh, they were all still on the fence. I mean, the one kid was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait until August 15th and, you know, or August 20th and I still may stay home. So uh, this uncertainty I think is, you know, pretty universal. Um, but the, it's, you know, the United States right now is, we're not helping our brand, right? Like, you know, other, other countries that, that got behind it and locked it down, you know, you're seeing students that were, you know, looking at the U.S., going to the U.K., going to Australia, they're going to places that they feel safe. And so it only takes a couple of years of that, and then that international population can dry up. Yeah, I think the other thing about these, you know, remitly, transfer-wise, and so on, is um i mean you have i mean those gdp numbers for the us yesterday were just unbelievable and uh that i understand that you know digital commerce numbers are like through the roof but these things will eventually play out and i i, I can't I, you know i think it it seems like 
you know, I wonder whether there'll be negative impact on kind of money flow overall, just generally, um, considering these GDP. I understand that things are improving, but, you know, this, this that was just, I mean, 32% yeah. is just, it's, we'll never see this again in our lifetimes. It was just such a startling. The brick and mortar bankruptcies, the, you know, the, the stay at home mentality. I mean, yeah, you, you know, I mean, people are going back out to eat, right? But they're not going out to fancy restaurants. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's, it's really like when you think about, and I, I think I saw some figure, I didn't see exactly the, the, I can't trace the news source, but people have been paying down a ton of debt, right? Credit card debt has shrunk in this time, you know, so there's fewer things to buy uh, because there's fewer places to spend it in, in some ways. So ultimately, mm -hmm. you know, ultimately there, it needs to even back out and start climbing back up. Yeah. Um, I do think people's buying habits have changed. Um, and, you know, let's not forget this was buoyed by $1,200 checks and $600 extra per week. And if the, if the feds, if the, if the Congress can't hammer out some sort of deal anytime soon, you know, August and September are going to look pretty bleak, I think. Yeah, we'll make, uh, make those valuations, uh, may maybe raise some questions around those valuations. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Rick, what are, we, uh, what are we working on for next week? Got a few things in the pipe, but um, mainly looking at uh, digital chatbots and uh, specifically voice-activated chatbots to see how banks are making them uh, less rigid and more conversational so that you can have real conversations with these uh, digital chatbots and not have to follow you know, a prescribed script and what the technology is that's really underpinning that. And Bianca? Yeah, um, we're going to be looking at more fintech lenders kind of expanding their offerings, trying to reach that full banking service provider level that, you know, Varo hopefully just got uh, and looking at that trend. Okay. Patrick, what do you, what, what's a, you have another golf tournament this week? <laughs> no, no. Uh, well, we've got, uh, we've got some, uh, some IMV stuff next week. We've got some yeah. meetings we're excited about and, mm -hmm. uh, uh, we're, um, yeah, we're, we're just, you know, we're just busy. There's a lot going on. Uh, we did just raise some more money from Mass Mutual, which is great. So that's kind of keeping the engines moving. Good. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're, I think good. And, and now we just need to start, uh, we just need to start talking to more folks about what we, what we have as an offering. So uh, putting on the biz dev hat and, uh, and making that happen. So that's, Good. that's number one. All goal. right. Well, thanks for being here, Patrick and Rick and Bianca. Thank you all for uh, tuning in. Um, don't forget to rate FinTech Unfiltered wherever you listen to your podcasts. And, and of course, we want to hear from you and you can email us at info at bankinnovation.net. Uh, catch us on Twitter and LinkedIn, and of course, visit us at bankinnovation.net. Thanks for joining, and we'll see you next time. Until next time, keep it unfiltered.